Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What do you mean? Just why? Yeah. We're late for our show. I know. Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday from awesomeo.com. College football week 12, DFS picks, betting. We've got you covered here. One game got clipped, but you know what? We're doing pretty good this week. Myself, Ben Raza, here with Matt Gajeski. Matt, good morning, sir. How you doing? Hey, man. I'm doing good. good. How are you, Ben? I'm the same. Uh, ready to go. A lot of things going on here. Been breaking down the games had to slog through uh, a disappointing Florida Atlantic game last night. They did not get there. UMass fought hard. Uh, that's neither here nor there, though. I'm excited for this slate. We got some good things, and we're going to dive in chat. It's good to see everybody. I see all the regulars. If you guys can hit the like button right off the bat, let's get us started on the right foot. You hit that. You subscribe to the channel. You guys know the drill, and we're going to dive in. So we had 13 games. Clemson and Florida State, which was a 35-and-a-half-point spread, got canceled. I'm actually pretty happy about that. I'm not going to lie. I think that was kind of an annoying game to break down. There were two games that got canceled this week, and I hate to say it, but I was kind of happy about both. I was very, very upset with DraftKings when they included Kansas on the main slate, and then it was like 10 minutes after they released the slate, there goes Kansas. They're gone. But Clemson, it's just a headache that's gone. I like watching Clemson play, but they were a huge favorite today. You were going to have to play the classic Clemson roulette game, trying to get a piece of that team total. But now it's gone. We can make some, I think, more educated decisions on the slate, which I'm happy about. Yeah, listen, that's that's good stuff. Uh, and, and we have plenty of games to still get to. So like I said, let's dive in. First game up, SEC, LSU and Arkansas. You know, before the season, I would have said this is like a 30-point spread. Arkansas is a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home. What a world. Over under of 64. So we do have uh, certainly a game that could get out there. Let's start with LSU. This is a team that's obviously, it's just been a disaster all year. Joe Burrow ain't walking through that door. TJ Finley, I guess, might be. Um, he's got a couple weapons on the outside, but start with the quarterback situation. Like, I guess, should we start there? Uh, is TJ Finley a guy? He's a huge freshman. The dude's like 6'6", 250 pounds, but he's struggled a little bit when he's played. They embrace more of the run. Most of their like heavy, heavy pass games came early in the season when they had their actual starter and they've rotated Finley a little bit in recent weeks, which makes me think he doesn't have the best job security. I think Finley in a normal LSU offense, which is very pass heavy. They run a lot of plays would be a fine value today. 
but I just don't have a lot of confidence. And this is a trend on this, on this particular slate. I don't have a lot of confidence that Finley plays the whole game. Yeah, it, it, clearly that's, you know, when we have 12 games, you need stability at QB. I do like the, th- the fact that obviously he's not going to be super popular. And if he gets going, he's going to keep going. You know, he's going to play. It's just his leash may be short if he's ineffective. He also has some guys on the outside. Certainly Terrence Marshall, flat seven. I think that's pretty reasonable. Arkansas doesn't scare me much. It's more just the uncertainty with this team. So with Finley or without, do you have interest in, in Terrence Marshall? Do you have interest in the phenomenal uh, Arik Gilbert, freshman, big-time tight end? Terrence Marshall, I, I think he's their de facto wide receiver one, but they've been rotating their wide receivers a lot. I know they got absolutely blown out last game, but Marshall still only ran a route on 48% of dropbacks. I'm not sure why that is. He easily leads the team in targets, 44 on the season. I think he'll be fine today in a competitive game script. So if you want to go back to him, he is underpriced given his role in the offense. I like Eric Gilbert a lot, and we're just getting these value guys right out of the way. His route rate was not affected in their most recent game, which makes the route rate for Terrace Marshall even more curious. Gilbert, he was still out there 91% of dropbacks. He's, of course, their five-star freshman tight end. He's second on the team in targets, and he did deal with an injury earlier in the year. A full healthy season from Gilbert, his targets are likely even a little bit higher. Is there anybody else besides them? I mean, the backfield to me, I'm not sure what to make there. Uh, Maybe some tournament plays, but do you want to talk about Emery or Davis Price? That's exactly it. I I do think they're strictly tournament plays. They've been flip-flopping games where they lead in touches. Each of them are playing about half the snaps, the run snaps, that is. I don't have a strong lean between them. Luckily, they're in the same price range. I think in tournaments, this is one of the better total games on the slate. LSU is favored, barely, barely favored, but they are. So maybe you want to throw some darts at some of these guys thinking that LSU gets ahead. Any Anyone else in terms of cheap or are we good to move on to Arkansas? The other receivers are just so tough. They're all running like between 35 and 50% of the dropbacks. This is, you know, Kayshawn Boots, Racy McMath, Dre Jenkins, Kirkland, Coy Moore. They're all rotating like this. I just hope it doesn't affect Terrace Marshall. Yeah, I, I think unless you're in a real jam, not too much interest there. But on the other side, and, and Chats already pointed this out, you were talking before the show about this. Felipe Frank, 6,200. It's a pretty good spot for him. Uh, Obviously, the Florida transfer, he's got some mobility. Great matchup. I know that sounds counterintuitive when you say LSU, but it's true. Uh, Is he, where does he fall? I know we just are in one game here, but where does he fall in the QB ranks for you? Felipe Frank surprised me a little bit. I went back and just looked at all his games this year. He's been surprisingly efficient. He's completing 68.3% of his passes, 8.3 yards per attempt. He actually gets one of the better matchups he'll face all year against the LSU defense that's allowing 335 yards passing per game. Probably never thought we'd we'd be saying this, but they did lose almost every defender from their team last year. Felipe Franks also adds a little bit with his legs. He's not, you know, anything spectacular, but he has 186 rushing yards on the year. So at least he's not giving you zeros in that facet of the game. He's just extremely cheap. So if you're looking for a discount quarterback, I think he's one of the few down here that I'm interested in that has job security. I mean, listen, you said it. There's a lot to like there. And I do think just looking at Arkansas as a whole, there's reasonable options for him on the outside. Um, Devion Warren goes down. Now, if you like the little game log, if Mike Woods just catches a touchdown with every reception, he's really going to be a focal point of 
of the offense going forward. But I, I do want to ask you about his target share in general. He's flat 5K. What do you see? Obviously, he's got some home run ability just based off what he's done in these last couple games. Do you think he could approach Traylon Burks, or is there still a pretty sizable hierarchy when you talk about these pass catchers? I think it's still pretty clearly Burks, and we have to consider Burks missed some time in the middle of the season. So his 40 targets on the year are probably a little bit depressed from where they normally would be. He's their main slot receiver, too, had a freshman breakout for them. So I think he's he's pretty clearly the wide receiver one. But now, without Warren, I think Mike Woods probably does take a little step forward. So he's probably still a value at 5K. Anyone else from Arkansas, or is it really just Franks and possibly some of these receivers? The runners are, I think, fine values. They're probably priced appropriately. Rakeem Boyd, he dealt with an injury as well. This Arkansas team has been very banged up to start the year. I actually, I liked them against the spread earlier in the week when you were getting about a field goal. Now at, at the pick em, I think it's a little bit tougher to get to. But Rakeem Boyd has now outcarried Traylon Smith in three straight games. He's averaging 15.7 opportunities per game. That's carries plus targets. Again, we could easily see Arkansas get out to a lead in this game. So if you want to take a stab on one of these backs, whether it's an LSU back or an Arkansas back, they're all affordable around that 5K price range. And this game has one of the better totals in the slate, which we'll get to. There's a lot of bad totals. There really are. Um, but you know what? The, like you said, this is one of the better ones. There are options and everyone's really reasonably priced. The problem I have, I don't really love this. St- I, I shouldn't say I don't love the stack ability, but uh, I feel more inclined to a one-off situation and building around a couple others. But we'll keep it going. The next game, another, re- <laughs> it's a huge spread, but it's a great total. Florida is 31 and a half point favorite on the road. Uh, going to Vanderbilt. That's why they're 31 and a half point favorite, but the over under is 69. Obviously that's something we really want to see Kyle Trask. He's almost $10,000, but he's also a legitimate Heisman contender, which is something I never thought I would say. We obviously have to start there. I mean, he's going to be throwing for a ton. Can he do enough? Can this game stay competitive enough where he could pay off that type of price tag? I think with Trask, the main question we're asking ourselves is, would you rather pay, play Trask or would you rather play Justin Fields? He's almost a thousand cheaper. Would you rather play Dylan Gabriel, who's going to have similar volume? Would you rather pay, play Mac Jones, who has a similar ceiling? And for me, I would rather save that money and try to use it elsewhere. It is a tight slate. There's not a ton of value as far as his complete punts go. That's not to say Trask isn't a bad quarterback. He's averaging, of course he's not. He's averaging 362 passing yards per game on 35 attempts. He has somewhat limited mobility. A lot of his rushing came on one carry this year. And I think positively he's performed well without pits last week did not seem to affect Trask whatsoever. If you want to get up there, I think he's fine. He's certainly in play, but I personally would rather save that extra salary and play one of the other signal callers that we'll get to. If you don't get to Trask, what do you do with the rest of this offense? Cause obviously Florida has one of the highest implied totals on this slate they're going to rack up points do you want no exposure or are you still going to take someone like tony someone like grimes maybe a running back to try to mitigate uh what could be you know not having trask yeah i think you definitely want a piece of this team and the reasons you just outlined are why if you're playing tournaments specifically you can stack trask no problem if you're playing low risk contests, cash games things like that i think you definitely want a piece of florida my favorite one to get to is still tony he operated as an more of a gadget player early in his career, but now he's playing more of just an actual receiver role, but he still does get in the backfield, carries the ball a few times a game. He has 17 targets combined in Florida's last two games. That's without pits for most of it. He has 300 
96 receiving yards this year. Of course, he's an experienced rusher. He's going to be a fine value. Trayvon Grimes is probably the biggest beneficiary of Pitts being out. He was already the just the straight wide receiver too in this offense. 63% route rate that spiked without Pitts. He's seen seven targets in his last two games. And I think he'll probably see volumes similar to that. Everyone else really is rotating. Who is Keon Zipperer? That's quite a name. <laughs> He's a rotational player. Okay. Don't play him. <laughs> no, don't, but you got to like that name. Um, Damian yeah, Pierce could be a value too. I mean, you're talking about a Florida team favored by over 30 points. Pierce actually has double digit carries the first time all season in his last two games. It's going to be somewhat of a rotation between Malik Davis and Naquan Wright. But I think, again, it's 5.3K. You're getting a lot of backs that are in timeshares this week around this 5.3K price range. But I think possibly a lot of them are huge favorites. So you could look to some touchdown scoring equity with them. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I'll, I'll say uh, about about this, you're directly leveraging against Trask if you go to the backfield and you get it right. Every touchdown that's scored on the ground directly helps your fade of that aerial attack. So that's another reason to possibly go there. Again, a lot of risk, but Tony would be my preferred play as well. He's just too electric on the other side i'll tell you what vanderbilt's awful but they did score way more than i thought against a good kentucky defense i can't believe i'm going to ask this but ken seals is less than five thousand dollars in a game where obviously they're going to be throwing florida's defense isn't a juggernaut could you actually punt with him and open up some salary I thought about this a lot and ken seals i i thought he was basically just a replacement level quarterback you know someone threat of getting benched, but he's actually performed well in the last couple of weeks. He's showing improvement. He now has a pair of 300 yard passing games under his belt. They did come against Ole Miss and Mississippi State. So take this for what it's worth, but he even put up 225 yards and a pair of scores against a strong Kentucky defense last week. He's averaging 33 attempts per game. That volume is going to keep him semi-viable. I still think he's at risk of just being you know, completely flamed by a Florida team. I don't think Vandy puts up 30 points every single week. So he's definitely risky, but I think you could look to him. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's definitely risky. They could just be annihilated. He doesn't have great mobility, but man, that price tag in a game where they're going to be slinging it, anything on the Vanderbilt side outside of seals that you maybe could look to uh, Cam Johnson, somebody else. I don't really have much to say. It's probably Cam Johnson. He's at a fairly reasonable price, 4,300. He comes up as a strong value for me because his target volume has been so good recently. Leads the team with 45 targets. 32 of them have come in the last three games. He's averaged nine targets per game in the last four. Vanderbilt was running a rotation at the wide receiver position early this year. They've narrowed that significantly, and it's mainly Cam Johnson and Chris Pierce. Pierce isn't being targeted quite as often, but he's on the field a ton. He's 3.5K if you're just looking for a pure punt play. But I think Cam Johnson is a loose consideration in tournaments. If you're stacking the game and looking for a run back, I think Cam Johnson's fine. In the running back room, Keon Henry Brooks is dealing with an injury. He's actually one of the guys we need to monitor up until lock. If he plays, he's been a complete bell cow, and he has 27 touches, at least 27 touches in three straight games. Javion Marlowe has been suspended, so if Henry Brooks misses this game I think it's Marlowe that sees most of the opportunity and he'll probably push for 20 touches himself even though Vanderbilt has gotten just destroyed in some games they've shown a willingness to feed this dude like near 30 carries 30 touches a game it's kind of interesting I mean yeah the game script is going to go against him but you mentioned the volume probably will still be there just don't know how much success 
they will have. But again, something to consider on the on these games, even with a 31 and a half point spread. All right. We go to the Big Ten, but before we do, our old pal Emac in the chat, and he has a big announcement. You have a big announcement. We get this question all the time. Matt, you have put up projections for college football. They are free, limited time, but they are free right now on the Awesome site. You can go and check those out. It's a great thing. Chat, I know you guys are going to be excited, which is why you should hit the like button to show thanks. But uh, talk a little about them before we move to the next game. I know that's something you've been working really hard on. Yeah, so right now they're projections for the main slate. There should be projections for all the weekly slates too. You know, Maction is something that I have. Uh, Maction's very near and dear to my heart. So we'll try to do all those during the week as well. And, you know, just feeling this process out, keep improving them as we go, add more and more slates, and just continue yep. to grow the college football products, the plan. Absolutely. We're going to have a lot more both on the betting side and the DFS side uh, and college basketball. Stay tuned. Me and Matt are going to be getting into that you know, in the coming oh, weeks. Oh, man. Oh, yes. man. That's what we do. Uh, Illinois, Nebraska, Big Ten. Nebraska, 16.5 point favorite at home, 60.5 total. Another decent game. Uh, God, I- I've bet Illinois one too many times this year. Lovey Smith and Co. They've got issues on issues, one of them being COVID. It's really damaged them. They've been using quarterbacks that I didn't even know existed when the season started. Where do they stand now? And if everyone is back, is it Peter's job or are we still looking at a timeshare? I think they'll probably rotate quarterbacks. This is something we should watch in pregame. Peters and Williams are very different quarterbacks. Williams is basically just a glorified running back back there. He, he ran 27 times last week. But if they're both healthy, I think they split time, which makes it relatively unusable for DFS. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Um, looking at the team as a whole, though, like I said, they're a pretty sizable underdog here, but it's not outrageous, not in the Vanderbilt territory. Do you see anybody that's kind of jumps out in, in terms of even in the backfield or on the outside? Or are these everyone's reasonable? If you like someone on Illinois, their prices are more than gettable. But the question is, is there anyone to like? I think in the receiving room, it's a huge timeshare outside of Josh Amater, baby. I'm not sure how to say his name, but he's 4.4 K. He's the only one that runs a majority of the routes and sees basically all the targets. He's a 28% target share in the running back room. Chase Brown is starting to see more work. He out carried Mike Epstein last week. So he's 4.2 K. If you think they keep it close, he could be someone to look at. Okay. Reasonable. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest. I'm not super high on this team on the whole. I'm not betting this game. We'll get to it. I have a couple bets that I do really like, but Illinois has just let me down a couple times here. And in the backfield, I, I'm i not that I know a lot about Chase Brown, but I, I like Mike Epstein. He's someone that I, I think has a lot of talent. I just, I don't know what to make of it. It's not a great situation for me. And it's a team that I'll probably avoid. Can we move? Is that safe to say? Can we move to Nebraska here? Yeah, definitely. I don't think anyone's really playing a ton of Illinois yeah, outside of just game stacks. Yep. I, I agree. Uh, on the other side though, with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tough times for Adrian Martinez. Luke McCaffrey. 6,900, this team, again, they're in a pretty good spot. What do we do with the quarterback situation for Nebraska? Where, where do you think Scott Frost is uh, leaning here? So if you guys are looking at the projections, Luke McCaffrey is going to look pretty bad in those. It's because I projected Adrian Martinez for some work, too. I think you guys should watch this pregame. I'm pretty sure it's going to be McCaffrey. I don't think he has the longest leash. But if you personally think Luke McCaffrey gets all of the work today, he's going to come up as a phenomenal play. It's not because he's a great quarterback. It's everything to do with his legs. He's a phenomenal rusher of the ball. Already has 152, let's see here, 196 yards, excuse me, 196 yards. And that's including two games where he didn't even play the entire time. So McCaffrey's someone I'm taking a really hard and long look at today. I'm trying to really figure out if I trust his leash. If so, he's going to be an amazing play today. It's just whether you think he has that job security. And I'm not 100% sold. I'm not 100% sold either, but I do like to attack situations like this in, in, in this logic. If McCaffrey gets the first shot and they are effective, they're not going to pull him if he's rolling. Now, if it goes bad, you're probably in somewhat trouble anyway. It just may get snowballed and then you're completely screwed because they pull him. But it, he, if he is effective and they are winning and say they cover this spread, you could be looking at depressed ownership on a guy that would be projecting much better if we knew he was secure. So from that just from that standpoint, I do think you can look to him. Question I have is on the outside. Is it Wandale Robinson? Is there like, where, where do you go if you want to target McCaffrey? Yeah, I won't lie to you guys. I'm, I'm considering McCaffrey in cash today. And it's, Ooh. he projects, I know it's all going to be based on how much risk you want to take with him, but he projects so well with the rushing ability. Illinois defense is terrible. If you think he gets all the work and the hypothetical situation you laid out, Luke McCaffrey running down the field, scoring on the first drive, whether it's through the air on the ground. Like, how conceivable is that against Illinois? I think it's pretty conceivable. Now, who else are we targeting on the team? A lot is going to ride on the static of Dedrick Mills, who was banged up in last week's game. I know he was not practicing earlier this week. We haven't received an update of on his status since then. When Mills got banged up last week, Wandale Robinson, there were already rumors of him carrying the ball a little bit. But with Mills going down, we saw Robinson handle a massive workload, not just as a receiver, but as a rusher too. Carries 16 times. He's a guy that already has a 25% target share. He's not the most, it's nothing to do with him either. Like he's an electric athlete, but Nebraska and Luke McCaffrey just can't get him the ball down the field. So he's receiving a lot of bubble screens. His role reminds me of like Jarvis Landry, but you're still getting a guy at 5.2K who's going to see 15-ish carries and has a 25% target share. It's just an absurd workload that we don't ever really see in college football. No, no doubt about it. Um, is there anyone else though, or is it really just kind of condensed to those types? You, I don't think you're looking at anyone else unless Dedrick Mills plays. If Mills plays, it's going to reduce Wandale's role as a rusher. Maybe he sees a handful of carries. I wouldn't put it any higher than like between five and eight. And everyone in the past game is basically a stay away from me. Nebraska is a team that runs a ton of 12 personnel. So they're using two tight ends on the field at the same time. That second receiver outside of Wandale is a timeshare. 
and the tight ends, you're looking at Austin Allen, who has run the second most routes for this Nebraska team, 80% in back-to-back weeks, but he's not receiving a ton of targets. And the other tight end, Volkolek, is just a blocker. Yeah, there's not a ton outside that, but you mentioned Robinson, one of the more unique players right now. Uh, and you got to like that. I also like Peter Hanley, shout out, uh, give us a super chat. We really do appreciate that always. Um, not necessary, but certainly appreciated. Anything else? you have any feel on how this game goes before we move on? Uh, if I had to take a position, I would probably lay the points with Nebraska, but I'm not lo- really looking to do that. That's my leaning too. Okay. Next one, this is a it's top 10 a top 10 matchup in name only, I guess, because the spread is massive. You've got Ohio State, you've got Indiana 20 and a half. I know they're at home in the shoe, but man, I, I that's a lot of points. But let's get to it. Indiana's been impressive. 4-0, they're beating teams. I don't know how good they are, I'll be honest, but they are getting it done, and it starts with their quarterback in Penix. Do you think this is the game where, especially if they fall behind, he's going to be forced to possibly open up the dual threat ability, or is that truly just gone? I This is a really hard thing for me to figure out. So Penix, if you guys don't follow the recruiting trail like the degenerates, me and Ben are, Penix was recruited as a dual threat to Indiana back on his recruiting days. He hasn't rushed really whatsoever. He has negative two cumulative yards on the year. And it's not because he's taking a lot of sacks. I actually separated the sack yardage from his rushing yardage. He has negative actual rushing yardage, which is pretty rare in college football. I think, you know, if they decide to use him as a rusher, that would certainly regress. On most weeks, he's definitely not going to give you negative yards, but I still don't think he's going to produce the same upside as a guy like Luke McCaffrey, despite his labeling when he came to school. We're going to need to get him get it done through the air with Penix. He is averaging 37 and a half attempts. He should easily push that number today with Ohio State expected to score a ton of points. Even in neutral game script, this Indiana team is very pass heavy and they're running a ton of plays. So volume will be there for Penix. His price point at 6.6K is fine if you want to stack this entire game. I don't hate running Fields and Penix in the same lineup. Okay, well, yeah, so that's something that we definitely want to talk about in terms of a mega game stack. But sticking with Indiana here, they've got weapons on the outside. You've talked about it. They like to throw the ball. First question I have for you, and you're always tuned into this, Bry Frogel, where, what's his status? Is he good to go, or do we not know? Is it one of those? He's uh, got the Q tag. I think you'll just have – college football, it's so hard to say. Like – I think he's going to play, but again, you just need to watch pregame warmups and see that he's out there. That's if he's in his pads, Indiana's not a team that throws a lot of smoke. If he's out there warming up, I think we'll see Fry Fogel play. I'm actually more interested in failure in this spot. People are, especially everyone that played Fry Fogel last week, is probably going to go right back to him. And it makes sense after the 200 yard, 11 catch para score game. But failure only has one less target than Fry Fogel. Failure is the guy that's used out of the slot led the team in receiving last year. He's also had these massive eruption games and he's used downfield a little bit too. He's over 1K cheaper than Fry Fogel. And this is a tight salary week. So I'm just going to take the savings with Watt Failure in most lineups unless I end up stacking the whole game. Do you have any interest in adding in their tight end and Hendershot as a, you know, an additional man to a, to a Penix stack? For sure. It's mainly because he's a strong value. He's 3,800. He's someone that does receive a lot of targets, third on the team. He has 21 already this year. He's a big tight end, solid red zone threat. They'll use him out of the slot a lot, which creates mismatches against linebackers and safeties. You could also look to Miles Marshall in the same range. 
He's good for about five targets, no more, no less. Every game he's played this year, he's received five targets exactly. Hendershot, he gives you a little more upside. So at basically the same price, I think I would prefer Hendershot. The last guy we got to talk about here, uh, Stevie Scott. Now they're winning. They're 4-0. He's seen 20 carries in every single game. Minimal targets, you know, chips in with a handful here or there. Do you think if they really fall down here, that's going to impact that? Or is this like a almost, a, I don't want to say a Vanderbilt situation, or do you think that his volume will be secured no matter what the game flow is? I don't think it's a Vanderbilt situation. His volume isn't quite as good as the Vanderbilt rushers either. And the Hoosiers are sitting at 4-0. Some of their wins look really good, but they've beaten Penn State, Rutgers, Michigan, Michigan State. I think three of those programs are down from where they normally are, and the fourth is Rutgers. So <laughs> That's true. No, no shame to Rutgers. I like watching their football. But I think Stevie Scott probably does see reduced volume today, and he's already struggled with efficiency this year. I'll tell you, if Rutgers beats Michigan today, Harbaugh, it's going to be it. But that's neither here nor there. On the other side, you mentioned when we were talking about Kyle Trask that you probably would rather take the $700 for Justin Fields. I mean, what's there really to say? The guy's got 11 touchdowns uh, and 11 incompletions. It's been good he's dominant what do you expect from him today and then if you do play him how do you structure that stack he's essentially the same play to me only he'll see less passing volume and I'm not sure it makes a ton of a ton of difference because this Ohio State offense has been so efficient sometimes less volume isn't necessarily a bad thing with fields and a lot of their touchdowns coming from outside the red zone I don't think it makes a huge difference As you can see, the ancillary numbers are similar. Fields is also averaging over 300 passing yards per game. He gives you a little bit with his legs, similar to Trask. So if we're talking tournaments, the ceiling to me is essentially the same. If you're talking floor, perhaps Fields has a slightly lower floor because the volume's not quite where it is with Trask, but I'm more than comfortable getting to Fields over Trask based on price. In terms of his pass catchers, they're obviously priced up, and they should be. They're really good players. You've got Garrett Wilson. You've got Olave. Um... If you had to pick one, would you want to try to pick? I mean, if you if you take both with fields, that's a lot of salary. I don't know how feasible that's going to be. How do you structure it? Do you have a preference of pairing one of them with fields over the other? I think what we've seen so far this year, of course, Garrett Wilson's been the target leader, the receiving leader, but it's all through just a couple of games. Wilson's averaging 9.3 targets per game. Their other top receiver, Chris Olave, like he's just shy of 100 yards receiving. His target count currently sits at 20 but both of these guys are running a ton of routes. Alave leading receiver last year. I think this very much could just be small sample size with Garrett Wilson out targeting Alave. It's just eight targets at this point. So, you know, I think Garrett Wilson certainly has earned being more expensive than Alave, but I have no problem getting to Chris Alave either. I think you're probably not stacking both, but I think mixing in either one makes a lot of sense. So in that same vein, you just mentioned, you know, both of them, in the backfield, you've got Master Teague is $8,000. Trey Sermon is $4,900. Uh, listen, I, I'm not saying that Teague may not have the upper hand slightly, but $3,100 difference, is that a little much? Yeah, that's pretty bad pricing by DraftKings. Uh, the only real argument you're making for Teague is he's going to come in much lower owned. Otherwise, Sermon, it's basically a 50-50 timeshare outside of one game. Sermon's the guy you would play. Yeah, to me, and I, I'm, I liked him at Oklahoma. I like him here. I, I was just stunned to see that big of a price difference in a guy. Like you mentioned, the volume is not distinctly different. So keep that in mind when you're building. 
I, I will say on the betting side of this, I don't think I want to, I, I do think that Ohio State certainly has the ability to absolutely blow them out. I don't know how good Indiana is. Over under a 66. I know this seems pretty public, pretty square. I, I kind of do lean to the over though. I, I think Ohio State could hang pseudo 50 and Indiana will move the ball. Um, so that, that may be a play for me, betting the over here. Nothing too serious though. There are games I like better. Anything else from this one? I know Fields is going to be a popular choice. The last thing I want to ask you about him is in terms of cash, I know you mentioned possibly McCaffrey, possibly Franks. Is he in cash consideration? Is he a cash staple? What do you think about that? I've been playing around with a lot of builds this morning. The main one I keep getting to is one expensive quarterback, one cheap quarterback. The main ones I'm considering of the expensive tier are Justin Fields and Mac Jones. In that cheap tier, it's a lot of Luke McCaffrey. I've been getting some Felipe Franks. Those are the four I'm looking at. I think you could make a an argument for someone like Dylan Gabriel because he's going to throw the ball a lot too. Otherwise, everyone else in this range that I normally would like is kind of in an unsettled situation. The LSU signal caller, I think that could be a timeshare. I'm even a little worried about the the Nebraska situation. I think maybe my concerns are, are just a little overblown. It seems like everyone in the chat thinks it's going to be Luke McCaffrey definitively. Otherwise, I mean, in that range, like maybe you get to Penix, but I don't think I'm willing to go there. It's a huge underdog against a strong Ohio State team. I don't mind Penix in tournaments, but I don't think he would be close. I would rather play Franks in cash if I had to. Same. I think it's McCaffrey or, or Franks for me in that cheaper range. Agree. All right. This is a good. I'm glad this is on the slate. Appalachian State, four point dogs at undefeated ranked Coastal Carolina. Bad total, 47. Great game, bad DFS game. Even making it more difficult, we go to App State. Guy that's been there, it feels like for 10 years, is Zach Thomas. I don't, you know, floor is yours. Here we go. What is the status of Zach Thomas, who is their leader and they're obviously their QB? Don't expect to get injury information on Zach Thomas till the game starts. Their coach is not going to give it to you straight. He's called Zach Thomas day to day since he left last week's game in a hospital bed, went all the way to the hospital to get checked out. So I, I don't know, take that for what it's worth. He's dealing with some sort of injury. It seems to be like a head injury. He's playing, you know, as this will be seven days rest for him since he went to the hospital with it. So no idea. He's been called day to day since Monday. So you'll just have to see if he's taking warmups. He is a big part of the offense. I don't think you really want to play him just by himself, but if he's active, I think it will overall help the offense move the ball. Particularly guys like, so what do you do if he sits with like Malik Williams with Hennigan um how do you think app state adapts they're a good running team but these guys are all in that mid 5k price tags yeah i think this is where we're going to be living in cash builds so the first things first with the backfield they lose daytrich harrington for it's not really clear all they said was it would be an extended absence that put cameron peoples into the driver's seat as their lead back they do run a timeshare regardless so peoples will be more of a 1a see maybe 60 percent of the work with I think probably after him, you'll see a lot of Marcus Williams. Don't be confused by this. They have a Marcus Williams and a Malik Williams. Marcus is the ball carrier. Last week, Peoples outcarried Williams 17 to 13. So you can see these two guys are both going to be involved. They're both pretty strong values given the workload we typically see out of these App State rushers. In the past game, I still think Hennigan's the number one receiver. He's slightly behind Malik Williams now in targets at 34 but he's running significantly more routes. He's the cheaper receiver. If you want to play a one-off on an app state pass catcher, it's Hennigan. 
Would you, if, if say Zach Thomas is ruled out, would you still feel the same about Hennigan or is that really hurt him? I would not play Hennigan. I would probably look to a rusher. Okay. Fair enough. Cause it's a weird, I, I really consider it. I know it's, it's just business. I love the Chanticleers. If I knew he was playing, I, I think App State's going to beat him. Um, but yeah, I know. Oh, I bet Coastal on Monday when the line came out, because I was thought to myself, there's no way that that Zach Thomas plays. So, I, but it, again, that was on Monday. Now it's it's Saturday, and there is a legitimate chance that Zach Thomas plays. So I am with you if he's active. And for what it's worth, the spread is dropping. Uh, it's down to three and a half now. So because their coach I, keeps calling him day to day, man. Yeah, I mean, I think people think that he's going to play. And App State, they're sporting good uniforms today, too. That's a big upgrade. Um, on the other side, what a fantastic team. Grayson McCall has been phenomenal. Uh, he's got some mobility. They've been dominating people. I, I love this team. they got a great tight end. What, what do you do with Coastal Carolina? This is a tough matchup for them, though. App State doesn't mess around. No, App State doesn't mess around. The total's really low here, so I'm having trouble getting to a lot of guys in this game. You see most of the Coastal Carolina guys priced up. Like Grayson McCall, he's averaging 232 yards per game. He's only throwing the ball 22 and a half times. If he sees any sort of efficiency regression, that's not going to be fantastic on that volume. Possibly McCall does rush the ball a pretty decent amount, and this is a very strong offensive line. They've only allowed three sacks the entire year. As far as the rusher, C.J. Maribel, he has seen reduced work recently. A lot of that's just because Coastal's blown out a lot of their opponents. That 17.3 touches per game likely is a lot higher on the team if they're in more competitive games. He's very active as a receiver. He's actually tied for second on the team in targets. So Maribel is someone I do like if you're trying to get to that kind of bottom of the upper tier of rusher. He'll save you some salary. Otherwise, the, the receiver is similar to what we said with Grayson McCall. There's not a lot of work going around in this offense. Maybe that's because they're in such high positive game script but they're not pass heavy and they're not the fastest team in college football. So looking at someone like JV and Heli, I'm probably not getting to him at 6.7 K. The only guy I think maybe you look to is Isaiah likely. He's a really big athletic receiving tight end. They had suffered an injury earlier this year. They've really brought him along slowly since the injury, but last week he finally returned to a full complement of snaps prior to the injury. He was second on the team in targets. So that's the one guy that I want to talk about as well. Uh, you mentioned he got hurt. He's a matchup problem the price lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details this is reasonable and i do think that if this game stays close or coastal is trailing he could be one of the bigger beneficiaries if they open it up a little more. They've just been dominating teams and whipping them up front. Haven't needed, you know, to really throw. I, I think in a game like this, they may have to, and likely snap wise seems good to go. Keep an eye on Zach Thomas. I might bet App State. It makes me sad because I really like Coastal, but what are you going to do? Uh, God, I know you hate Kansas. I wish they just deleted the Pac-12. Sorry, Pac-12 people. I like that conference. I just can't get these teams right. California, Oregon State, two and a half point spread. Cal is favored. I bet Oregon State already. I got it at three. 
I'm moving those lines apparently. So keep take that for what it's worth. None of these teams have a win, Matt. We haven't seen them though. One game. Uh, talk to me about Chase Garbers. Talk to me about this Cal offense. Is this a team we need to take notice of today in a game with a 46 and a half point total? It's really hard to evaluate Cal. They played a game on short notice last week. Their original opponent had some COVID issues. And then, of course, they play UCLA, whose opponent also had some COVID issues. So they're like, you know what? We're going to play each other on Sunday morning at 1130. I think this probably flew under everyone's radar. If you weren't playing that showdown slate, I don't think any of you were. There's a lot of overlay. It was pretty nice. But Cal was a huge favorite in that game. They ended up getting blown out by UCLA. And it's really hard to evaluate what they're doing as a team. They replaced almost their entire defense, and UCLA had no problem moving the ball on them. As far as Cal's offense goes, Garbers is a game manager type quarterback. He gives you something with his legs, but he's still not a very strong value at 6,700. I do think Cal's pass rate, which is up around 58%, is elevated way above the levels they typically are going to throw at just because of that negative game scripts. Otherwise, the other players, Christopher Brown was in more of a timeshare than we expected. He's not the bell cow he was last year. The receivers, like Kikoa Crawford, Nico Remigio are the two I'd look to. They're the ones running the most routes, but neither of them saw significant target volume, just seven for Kikoa Crawford five for Remigio. Remigio is the slot receiver. Crawford, for whatever reason, is 3.8K. So if you do want a one-off in this game, he'd be the guy I look to. Uh, yeah, I, like I said, I'm not a believer in Cal. I bet Oregon State. I honestly think that I, this is unrelated. I think Modester should start for them. Um, but I, I just don't see much here. You did mention some value with Crawford. Is there anything else, though, with Cal, or can we just move to the other side of the ball? I think you can move to the other side of the ball. Okay, Yeah. This team, listen, I, I said I bet them. They're 0-2, though. They did look better. I watched them against Washington. Um, and they've got some things that I do like. Obviously, they have a big-time, big-time player uh, in, in terms of Jefferson. He's almost $9,000, though, so I want to start there. Is he worth that price tag? His volume is pretty good. I think he's a cut below some of the other rushers up in that top tier. His pass game volume, I mean, is good too, but we're talking about a game with an extremely low total. I think other teams are just going to score more raw points. If you, if you just want to talk about opportunity, he has at least 25 touches in both games. So if you're taking the contrarian approach, this is a guy that will see volume today. If you don't go to him, uh, what's left with the rest of this offense? I mean, what, what have you seen? I know you've been watching these games diligently. Uh, you know me. Yeah, I know you um gabia 53 his pass catchers is there anything to like uh for this beavers offense outside jefferson the pass catchers i think so typically this oregon state team is very pass heavy a lot of it having to do with negative game script they're fairly efficient as far as plays per game goes gabia has not been efficient himself but he's throwing the ball a lot 36 and a half attempts per game that brings all his receivers into play as just strict values i again i don't think this is a game you want to stack but if you want to look to Colby Taylor at 4K flat, he's their main slot receiver. 15 targets this year, only 75 yards. But that's a lot of target volume for 4K. Champ Lemmings is just a little bit more expensive than that. He's run a lot of routes this year, hasn't exactly amounted to targets. I think in the context of this slate, you're probably leaving it alone. This is more of a situation where you're trying to buy low on smaller slates. So this whole game is kind of a stay away for me. Yeah, uh, I agree. Looking at Odd Shopper real quick, I don't see any threes out there, but keep an eye out. If, if it goes back to three, I feel pretty good. I also think you can just take, don't even need to take the points. Oregon State on the money line uh, as a slight dog. I think they went out right at home in Corvallis. So um, there we go. 
Now we go to your boys, Wisconsin, seven and a half. My points. Yeah, your boys. Uh, seven and a half point road favorite against Northwestern. We get the totals get even worse. Forty four. Uh, that's really bad. I still don't know if we know how good this team is because Michigan's actually not good. So what do you have to say about Mertz and the gang from Wisconsin? I think, you know, exactly what I'm going to say about Mertz. It's nothing pretty has nothing to do with Mertz. He's like their highest recruited quarterback in recent memory, but Wisconsin's just unwilling to open it up. They're just flat out not going to use him. So he's going to be stuck in a game managerial role. He's basically been neutered to just 21 and a half attempts per game. He's been efficient on them, 187 yards on a per attempt basis. That's actually pretty good, but he's not a dual threat, six cumulative yards. You're just never targeting a guy with this volume. Are you targeting anything from this team? Uh, man, I have no idea who's going to carry the ball. Yeah. Garrett Groshek's another injury we have to monitor. He's a, a he's like the weirdest player in college football, man. He's a hybrid fullback receiving back. Like they use him as a fullback and then he's their main pass catching back. He's a big goal line package guy for them but he doesn't handle a lot of just raw carries between the t- the 20s. That saved more for Nikia Watson and Jalen Berger, their freshman. But as you can see, there's many guys involved in this backfield, and they all play weird specific roles that have different degrees of value. It's very hard to get to any of them. Yeah, I, I really think, again, on, on a 12-game slate, you don't need to uh, force anything in here. It's going to be an ugly game. I don't see many ways where it really gets going. I don't like the game from a betting standpoint either. I kind of like Nebraska, but not enough to really place a lot down on it. If anything, it's going to be something that I just probably sprinkle in. Northwestern, you're leaning? Yes. Okay. Um, Badgers haven't played anybody. It's it's all about like the Badgers essentially essentially having like one of the easiest schedules I've seen in the Big Ten. Yeah. And and again, this is similar to Indiana in some capacity. Northwestern's 4-0. And they listen – I think going into Iowa and winning is pretty impressive. Purdue, uh, Purdue caught a bad, whew, bad break last night. That's neither here nor there. Peyton Ramsey's a guy that used to be competing with Penix. I, I like him as a quarterback. The price tag though, seven K. Frank's by a mile for me. Um, I don't really see anything here for Northwestern. It's going to be really tough to target anyone in DFS for Northwestern. I think it's more just a real life play. Peyton Ramsey, we liked him at Indiana because of the Indiana offense. Northwestern's slower. They're run heavier. He's not efficient enough where we're really targeting him by himself. It's a timeshare between Bowser and Drake Anderson. Bowser has the better part of this timeshare. But Wisconsin's, their strength is their defense. It's his toughest matchup of the year. The receiving core, again, not a heavy passing attack. So there's not really just a ton of value here overall. I'm looking at anyone. It's probably Riley Lease, their slot receiver. He's been banged up at parts of the season, potentially depressing his overall timeshare, but again, not a preferred play. Yeah. Again, this is just not, there's not a whole lot to say about this game. Um, Anthony Davis with the super chat. We appreciate you guys. Uh, We appreciate you, man. Why no love for the FanDuel main slate? Yeah, I know we we really do stick to DraftKings. I will try next week to incorporate a little more FanDuel. It's just, I'm not a fan of the way they set up some things and I don't love their slates, but we can try to slip that into the conversation here and there. We'll be DraftKings focused, though, got to be honest. All right, here we go. We got five games left. We're making good time. We're cruising along here. Nothing stupid has happened. This is my favorite game of the day. If I could watch one game, if I could bet one game, it would be this one, and it kind of feels like a trap. Um, Cincinnati is not my team, but I really think that they're poised to make another statement today. They're a four-point favorite 
on the road. The spread is dropping, not in my favor, and I'm sure the public is with me. 65 and a half against UCF. There's a lot to like here. Uh, before we dive directly into the game, I do want to ask you just generally, how good do you think Cincinnati is? I bet this game. I bet Cincinnati. All right. We're going to, we're going down together. Um, I bet Cincinnati too. I have a, actually a game right up as my play of the day, which is posted on the site. It's the Cincinnati game. So if you want to get in depth for why I like this game, uh, you can go and read that. But this team is great. I, I, think, I love their coach. Ritter is a game manager, but he knows what he's doing. Um, and they've done it. They crushed SMU. So let's get into it. First question, Ritter's 9,200. Is that a little much? It's a little much. He He's a game manager. He gives you a little more than a typical game manager because he's so active as a rusher, but his pass attempts are low. His pass volume is low. And that makes me think just with the other options we have in that price range, we're talking fields. I know Trevor Lawrence has gone from the slate, but Kyle Trask, those are all guys I would rather get to. Agree. Uh, but I, I will say, I know I'm jumping back and forth. I still feel very confident that he's going to have a successful game. And that's why I like Cincinnati. He He's mobile. He can get it done. And this team is just good. Um, they know what they're doing. Do you think they attack on the ground? That's really where I want to direct you is to Dokes. Um, how do you God. think that kind of falls? I, I know it can vulture with Rid, Ritter. Where do you see Dokes falling at 6,700? He's kind of in no, no man's land. He's being squeezed for touches kind of on both sides. It's happening a lot with Ritter. It's happening more and more with Jerome Ford. Hasn't touched the ball more than 20 times in three straight games. Really struggled with efficiency through through portions of this year. So he's going to be a tough one for me to get to. I think there's just better rushers in the same price range. Moving to the outside, I'm going to pose it like this. We have to keep an eye on Alec Pierce. He's questionable as far as I know. If we get word that he is in, does he instantly become a plug-in play at 4,500? I mean, how, how good is this spot if he's if he's good? Again, low-volume passing attack. Pierce is their number one, but are you targeting him over some of the other receivers we've talked about in this range? My lean is no. If he sits, do you feel the same way about the guys that will be remained in terms of Young, Tucker, Weil? I do feel the same way. The only guy I think that becomes a pretty decent value is Jay Sean Jackson. Again, paying 5.5K for a, a Michael Young, he's in the same price range, just like Wandale Robinson, whose volume do I think is better? It's Wandale's by a long shot. So unless you're stacking this game, so say I, this game does have some stacking intrigue to me, not so much on the Cincinnati side, but if you're stacking UCF and you want to run back and you, you find Michael Young, you're in that price range. I'm fine with it. Same thing with Jay Sean Jackson. Pierce isn't, like expensive he's 4500 it's just the injury concerns i don't know if we'll get word on his status definitively like he played last week but only 17 percent of of routes so i guess to sum up the cincinnati side you bet them as did i how do you envision this going do you think they they score enough to beat them or that their defense is so good that they can do what they do uh and limit ucf because where do you really see them exploiting ucf offensively Oh, I think they'll have no no problem scoring. I just think a lot of it comes from Ritter. Like, if, if okay. you want to play Ritter, I think he's stackable, or excuse me, not stackable. I think he's playable by himself. And that's mainly where I'm looking at playing Ritter because he's giving you so much with his legs. I would rather not stack. And just to speak to everything we talked about, I think that's why it hurts Dokes. I think that's why it hurts the pass catchers. With Ritter, again, I'm just worried about ceiling. Is his ceiling better than Justin Fields? He's certainly in play. I'm going to play some Ritter today because I will be stacking this game. And it's probably going to come in the form of both signal callers and then some of the cheaper receivers on this UCF team. But we'll get to that 
if I'm approaching this game, that's how I want to do it. Yeah, I think I'm a little higher on, on Ritter than you. It's and may, listen, maybe he's going to regress again, but he's got nine rushing touchdowns in his last four games. I know the opponents haven't been there, but you know what? At the same time, I don't think UCF is that good. I think I think they're just as good as SMU and Memphis, and Cincinnati absolutely throttled both of them. They really haven't been tested outside Army, like pseudo tested them, but not really. And we know that Army is just an anomaly anyway. On the other side, though, we can't forget about Dylan Gabriel, who's absolutely fantastic. 23 touchdowns, two picks on the air, 8,700. Do you think he will have success against the Cincinnati defense? I think he will have some. Cincinnati hasn't faced a really strong slate of, of opponents. They did allow 300 yards to Brady White from Memphis. Otherwise, they haven't played a ton of strong signal callers. So I think Gabriel, given his volume, which is absurd, this UCF team is the fastest team in the country. They're they're passing at a, a neutral rate, but when you're running so many plays, it leads to a ton of volume for Gabriel. 40 pass attempts per game for this dude, averaging just shy of 400 yards passing. He's also not a strong dual threat, but 106 cumulative yards. He's not a zero in that facet of the game either. I think his price just below 9K is pretty good. You can look certainly look to stack him in this game. It will be the toughest matchup he's faced all year. But again, so much volume for Gabriel. It puts him in stacks with really any of his pass catchers. I'm fine with any of them. Yeah, I'll say this. Unlike Ritter, who you mentioned, and I, I think has real live to get the 100-yard bonus or multiple touchdowns on the ground, if you use Davis, I think you actually have to stack up with a couple people because he needs to really sling it. Um, the question I have, where, well, first, do you think Trey Nixon is going to play? He suited up last week, warmed up, suited up, didn't get into the game. That to me indicates he's getting close, whether he plays or not. Like you are just straight rolling the dice. This reminds me of like Purdue and, you know, Purdue wasn't actually doing this last night. They were actually forthright for the first time With in, in Jeff Brown's career. But then Louisville did the, did it to us. Like everyone's like Tutu Atwell is going to be active. Hassan Hall is going to be active. The dudes barely play. Trey Nixon legitimately participated in warmups and didn't play a snap for UCF last week. So even if he's out there warming up, that's no indication that he's playing. Is he so potentially good though at this price tag that you'd be willing to build lineups that take zeros to possibly get him at low ownership? Oh yeah. I'm definitely doing that. Okay. Cause I, I, I have that, a very high risk tolerance. Like I don't care if I take a zero. Yeah. And listen, that's an important thing to point out. If you're looking to make minimize your zero risk, I wouldn't advise it, but if you're looking to win possibly 50K and you're willing to take it, Trey Nixon would be, if we knew for certain that he was good to go, I think he might be one of, if not the best value on the entire slate at 5,400. I agree with you. Of the other guys, I mean, God, Marlon Williams is fantastic, but he's 8,300. If Nixon sits, I mean, we, we have limited spots to go. I assume that's where we have to strongly consider pairing with, with uh, Gabriel. I honestly think you could really pair him with any of these receivers. Like the volume is just so good with these guys. Do you have a lead? I mean, Trey Nixon is the, the best value, but like <laughs> Marlon Williams is seeing absurd target volume. The dude is 919 receiving yards already. Yeah. He's amazing. Now I will say that uh, Jalen Robinson coming over from Oklahoma, you're getting a discount in terms of lineup construction. If you don't have the money, he's going to be involved too. I just, God, it's hard for me to think that Gabriel has a monster a monster game and Marlon doesn't get there. That's my one concern about leaving him out. I agree with you. I Marlon, as far as the expensive receivers go, he's one I will try to prioritize, particularly in stacks. I think he projects a little bit worse than you know some of the other guys like Devontae Smith, who we'll talk about, is a very, very good player. But Marlon Williams is right behind him. 
I agree. So this, like I said, this is a game to really pay attention to, really get some exposure to. I hope Cincinnati beats them by 700. Uh, and I hope they fake a punt again. They show no mercy, that team. Um, when they're up by 30, just faking punts out there. Let's go Bearcats. Uh, all right, we got four games left. Iowa and Penn State. Penn State, times are tough in the old Happy Valley. Sorry. Um, they are one and a half point favorite, though, at home. 45 total. We're back to the Big Ten. These totals are awful. Let's start with Iowa. Petrus Goodson's a great player, but I, I don't know about this against Penn State. Anything to say about the Hawkeyes? Uh, I want to talk about Penn State's defense. They haven't been as bad as people maybe think. They're actually been pretty efficient on a per attempt basis against the pass and against the run. They've, I think, gotten a little bit lucky in the way some of their games have ended. For them to sit at 0-4 is pretty surprising to me. So I don't think this is a phenomenal matchup for Goodson. or I, I love Goodson as a player. He's phenomenal. He will see yeah. a couple carries a game to Makai Sargent, but still averaging 18.8 touches per game. He's a pretty good play. Amir Smith-Marset is the lone receiver I would look to in this offense. They rotate everybody else, but he's dynamic. He's playmaking ability as a rusher, as a receiver. They use him as their main kick returner. Outside of that, I don't think you play anyone in Iowa. Nope, I don't like this at all. It's a bad total. It's a bad spot. I'm not. I'm going to tell myself I'm not going to do it. I do think Penn State uh, gets on the win column today. I'm kind of leaning them. I have not bet it, though. Certainly not a priority, but I, I think they win this game. Will Levis. Yeah, I told you. Um, what do you what do you make of where Penn State's at? This offense, obviously, it's just been a lost year. Uh, talk about the QBs and then talk about uh, Devin Ford and Kyle. I don't think either QB has a long leash. No. Levis played pretty bad. He only completed yes. 45% of his passes, but he also like brought them back in the game. So maybe he's got a longer leash than I'm anticipating. Uh, unlike McCaffrey and you know the LSU situation, I think there's a strong chance that like Finley and McCaffrey play the full game for those teams. I just think there's more concern than other opponents. This Penn State situation, I think there's a pretty strong chance that they rotate. It seems that way. And that uh, unlike, I see a distinct difference between like this rotation and what we may see in Nebraska and other places where I think one guy's going to have the opportunity. And if it goes bad, we could see both this. I don't I think it really matters who starts and who's not both are going to get series uh, and Penn state's in a free for all, as we know, does that make someone like Dotson out of play for you? Cause he may be, bouncing around who's he's getting passes from or is he just such an alpha that he can still be rostered at 71 i've questioned dotson a little bit at his price because i don't think this penn, penn state team wants to be as pass heavy as they are i've been looking just at like kirk Shiraka as an oc when he was at minnesota last year they only passed the ball 38.8 percent of the time i think it's mainly been a function of game script so if penn state gets up in a game i see some people in the chat talking about the penn state money line which is something i actually like today I mean, talk backing an 0-14, but I do like Penn State against the spread as well. What does Dotson's volume look like in positive game script? I think there's the potential for it to fall. And with other players in this price range, even at, you know, almost the exact same price, 100 cheaper is Terrace Marshall. I would prefer him over Dotson. Well said. God, you're going to make me bet Penn State. That's something I like rarely, if ever, do. Yeesh. Um, you got to do it. I think we might have to do it. Uh, this is going to be a good betting day. I can feel it. All right. I do want to say we got a couple games left, but more importantly than that, we have a promo because it's Thanksgiving. Promo code Mayflower. And if you haven't seen it, 
a dollar, one dollar for an NFL Express weekly pass. It's going to get you all the showdown tools, all the Awesome One Plus showdown tools, and you get inside the ropes for a week. No better time to try it out. Thanksgiving Slate's my favorite of the year. And like I said, it's just a dollar. So if you always are wondering what we have, this is a great way to get a preview of it. And you get the showdown tools. And then we hope that you'll re-up it and you'll get the full package. You'll come on in, uh, do some golf and do some NBA. we got a ton of things coming. But I did want to tell everyone that promo code Mayflower. You go in, you use that. Jordan Klein's got it right on the screen. You guys can see that. No better time to give it a, a try. So keep that in mind because it's going to be a fun, fun Thanksgiving week. You know what's not fun, Matt, is Kansas State and Iowa State. Uh, I don't. Not have, at all. No, it's really not. Uh, man, I you couldn't imagine going to that game. Never mind. Kansas State, thirteen point underdogs going into. I think they're in Ames, forty-seven point total. I don't even, I have nothing to say on Kansas state. I never do. I'm a broken record with them. Do you have anything to say about this team? Will Howard and Deuce Vaughn have gotten cheaper. So I think where's they were just straight up out of consideration here. It's not a tough decision. I'm still fading them, but I like, I thought about it a little bit because Howard's a dual threat and Vaughn has some decent volume. He's 5.4 K. So like his 15.1 touches are right in line with a lot of the other guys that are in that range. But what it comes down to with Vaughn is, you know, he's a similar price to Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon has a huge team total. Deuce Vaughn, I mean, they might score a couple touchdowns. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's all about the opportunity cost. You look at these guys on their own, and it's like, okay, it's not bad. But there's three or four guys at these price points that are in games where the total is legitimately almost 50% higher um, in teams like Ohio State, where they're expected to score an insane amount of points. It's going to be tough for Kansas State. I assume I can speak for you when I say you don't like anyone in the passing game. Absolutely not. Like, okay, just flat no. Flat no. Flat no. On the other side, Brock Purdy, he's another one of these QBs that's in that range. But I, I, I'll just ask you, I mean, you, you've already mentioned McCaffrey. You've, we've talked about Felipe Franks. Purdy at 6,800, is he just squeezed to the point that there's no room? Yeah, Purdy... It's generally with Iowa State this year. Purdy's been a big disappointment, but low-volume pass attack. Iowa State's very slow. Now they get a team on the other side, Kansas State. How do they want to play? Well, they're one of the teams that depresses opponent play volume more than anyone else in this country. So I'm thinking it's going to be a very slow, drawn-out game, a lot of run plays. Purdy normally doesn't get there. In friendly game scripts, what is he going to do when they're running like 62 plays in this game? Now, there is one thing at Iowa State that's always relevant. Brees Hall, he's phenomenal. Love that guy, but he's $9,900. That's as premium as it gets. And we've talked about some of these big time games, UCF, Cincinnati, Ohio State with fields. We Trask is a damn good play. Do you have any room to possibly pay all the way up with Brees Hall? I can't really see it. There's the argument that you can make about volume. That makes a lot of sense. But again, like, does he see a lot more volume than Najee Harris? I don't think so. Does he see like a lot more volume than Jamar Jefferson? I don't think so. Is the volume he sees worth more than Trey Sermon, who's half his price? I don't know. I don't. I personally don't think so. I would rather pay up for some of the signal callers and some of the receivers on this slate than get to Brees Hall in the game environment we already described. Totally with you. I, listen, there's always going to be an appeal to me when you have a guy – that's, I don't think he's going to be popular, and he's an absolute fantastic player. The problem is it really hinders the rest of your lineup, and he's in a terrible game. Um, so even if he has some volume, I just don't see him eclipsing 
a ton of guys that are not significantly cheaper, but cheaper. So not for me either. We'll keep it moving and hopefully we'll have a couple minutes because there's a lot of good questions in chat that people are going to rapid fire, hopefully at the end of the show here, Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh. They're going to be wearing masks on the field, apparently. Good luck with that. Virginia Tech minus three going into Pittsburgh, 54 point total. Hokies have been tough. I mean, we've talked about them a lot. We've talked about Hooker. He's 9,100. He's very expensive. He's a dual threat. Again, I know I keep saying this. Can you can you find the money for a guy like Hooker on this slate? It seems like everyone in the chat probably knows at this point who I like in this range. Hooker is not out of play. This is a tough match for him. Pitt's defense has been good despite all of their opt-outs, a little bit surprisingly. They've allowed points in some spots, but Hooker's not much of a passer, so whatever he gives you, it has to come on the ground. He's not going to hit the 300-yard bonus, so can he hit the 100-yard bonus? I think he can sometimes, but it's risky for me. I, again, I'm looking to Fields in this spot. I'm looking to Mac Jones, Dylan Gabriel. Those are the signal callers I prefer. You feel the same way about Khalil Herbert relative to his position. He's also, uh, where is he, 6,900. Volume has always been a question with Khalil Herbert. They are going to play Raheem Blackshear no matter what. There's a huge dichotomy here for Virginia Tech where we have Khalil Herbert, one of the most efficient running backs in the country. Raheem Blackshear is one of the least efficient running backs in the country, but they still commit 30 40% of the carries to Blackshear on a week-to-week basis. And there's no reason this is going to change now. Justin Fuente has been one of the worst personnel evaluators I've seen in college football over the last couple of years. So enough slander on Virginia Tech. Can you play Khalil Herbert at his price? His price has finally come down. He's below 7K. I definitely don't mind him at this price. And then on the outside, you've got Robinson, you've got Turner, you got Mitchell, I guess, to a lesser extent. Is it possibly just Herbert or pass for you? Or will you look to Turner or possibly Robinson on their own? So it looks like Turner has overtaken Robinson as far as the main pass catcher here. He's out-targeted him in all of their most recent games. There is one little wild card in the situation. It's their tight end, James Mitchell. And Virginia Tech is another team that's not going to give it to you straight with injuries. So last week, everyone saw Khalil Herbert. He is the hamstring. Everyone's worried, like, does he play? What happens to the team Blackshear? Flew under the radar that they had James Mitchell in the exact same situation. He warmed up did not play many snaps. I believe he only played five snaps and everyone thought he was going to go back to his normal role. So his health will shake up this receiving core. He was their target leader before he went down with injury. So I think this makes it a stay away for me. It's also not the best match. I mean, Pittsburgh is a pretty stout defense, so I'm not looking to really get involved here on the other side. Uh, I don't know. Pick it. Damn your boy, Vincent Davis. We've talked about more. God, than I've lost a lot of money on him. That guy, he's in. He's been a character all year. Talk to me about Pickett in the passing game. I mean, we, we've mentioned Mack and Addison a lot this year. They're both relatively, you know, they're in the 4K range. Pickett 7,300. Eh, I, I don't really have a lot that stands out on this game. It's just kind of average at best. I think Pickett's return does bode well for the offense overall. Even if he, he's been a good dual threat in his career, I don't think he's going to give you much today. What he was injured with was an ankle. And I mean, I have no idea if his mobility will be restricted, but as far as these pass catchers, they've all fallen in price. That's because Joey Yellen, their backup has been downright atrocious as a signal caller. But prior to the injury to Pickett, guys like Jordan Addison, were seeing incredible volume. He's playing out of the slot. They've been shaking up the receiver core a little bit. Taysier Mack was listed with the or designation on the depth chart. So maybe that makes a, 
I don't know. It's probably just Addison for me, honestly, at 4,900. His value is is come down to the point where I'm okay getting to him. You know, if you needed a desperate, you know, for some reason you need someone really cheap, could you look to Jacquez, Louis, or, or Turner? I think you could. It's going to depend on the status of Taysier Mack. I, he didn't play at all really in the last game, zero targets for him. So I, I did project an uptick in volume for those guys. Again, Pitt is another team that doesn't give you any injury information whatsoever. The Pickett missed four or five games and they called him a game time decision before the first game he missed. He clearly was not a game time decision before that. I remember that. Yeah. We were doing the show and it's like, just... is Pickett going to play? Is Pickett going to play? <laughs> he didn't play for five weeks after that. Yeah, no, he was, he was in a coma. Um, all right, Kentucky-Bama, last game, big spread, 32 points. Bama obviously going to roll. Kentucky's defense, maybe they're not as good as I thought they were. So they gave up a lot of points to Vanderbilt. 57.5 total, so that just shows what we're expecting here. We can get the Wildcats out of the way just by kind of mentioning them. Is there anything to like with this team? I don't have to bet them today. That's a win in itself. Josh Ali, anything? Or nothing. You don't have to bet them. That's a win today. It really I, is. No, he's like the, I mean, Josh Ali. People have played him this year. It's because he has a 30, near 35% target share in the offense, but they forget this Kentucky team is a fancy triple option team. They're throwing like 20 times a game. So Josh Ali's 35% target share actually gets you about six or seven targets every single game. And on Kentucky's team, that's not a team that puts up a lot of points. So he's like, he's pure fool's gold to me. As, is there anyone on Kentucky worth considering? Honestly, probably not. Chris Rodriguez is going to miss the game. So maybe you take a look at Asim Rose or Cavassier Smoke, but I still think they probably use Juton a little bit as well. They put him in the game more. Like Cavassier Smoke missed a couple games this year, and instead of that, them reducing the backfield to two rushers, they just put Juton in the game more, so it still was three. Ultimately, they're huge underdogs as well in the spots. I don't think you really are interested in Cavassier or Asim. On the other side, we know Bama is going to roll. Their offense is unstoppable. Waddle goes down. What does that do for the stacks? Obviously, Devontae Smith is amazing. Mac Jones, fantastic. Mechie's the next man up. Do you like to stack them? Do you go to Najee in the backfield? Talk about all these top-priced options for Alabama. So I like Mac Jones a lot. He's another. We talked about a lot of guys that have Heisman hopes this, this slate. He's another one of them. Incredibly efficient when passing the ball, easily averaging over 300 yards. Devontae Smith is just set up for an enormous target share. Enormous. With Jalen Waddle out of this offense, he's seen nearly 40% of the targets, and Alabama's extremely efficient. Like, this is not the fool's gold on the Kentucky side. Devontae Smith, he's been averaging well over 100 receiving yards per game. Mechie is the wide receiver, too. He is fully, he's playing a full complement of snaps now. Not quite as targeted, but you know the presence on the field with Mac Jones is going to lead to big gains on occasion, and Mechie's already had a few of them. The real thing that happened when Jalen Waddle went down, their first game, they, like Jalen Waddle went down on the opening kickoff. They were kind of thrown into a flurry. They didn't have obviously a game plan to not have him. Their first week, they were actually able to prepare. Instead of just putting Slade Bolden on the field for every single snap, they started running 12 personnel and they ran a lot of two tight end sets. So about half the time they were in 12 personnel, Slade Bolden only ran a route on about 50% of the dropbacks. Miller Forrestal split that work with Jaleel Billingsley. So it wasn't like we had a clear rotation among the wide receivers and tight ends after anyway. It was basically Devontae Smith and Mechie on the field for every drop back. Then Slade Bolden about 50%. Forrestal and Billingsley split the rest in that 12 personnel. 
Yeah, I don't think that it, it, it's not next man up where someone is going to come in and, and just be waddle by any stretch. Smith, dominant. So the last thing I want to say, and then I want to take a few questions. We're going to bounce on out of here. NFL show coming up next, though. Jeff Ulrich, Greg Ehrenberg, final look. What do you do with Najee Harris? Uh, do you, are you going to find room for him? Is he a pa- uh, cash play? Do you think they can just decimate them on the ground if they want to? I think they can decimate them on the ground if they want to. With Najee Harris, it's a similar decision to, you know, Travis Etienne every single week. Sorry. Um, Najee Harris. Right over there? Yeah, I, my phone fell off the charter. I do that every every show, so. It don't. <laughs> no, it's, the microwave is still intact. Whew. All right. Thank goodness I can still cook. Anyway, uh, Najee Harris, it's similar to the Travis Etienne thing where he'll come out of the game at some point for their backup, but you know, can he get there before that happens? And with Najee Harris, he certainly can. He has a five touchdown game this year. He actually sees more volume than Travis Etienne in similar game scripts. So I'm comfortable getting to him. I do prefer him straight up to Brees Hall, but it's tough to get up to that range at running back with some of the QBs today. We don't have a, a clear punt option at quarterback that I'm comfortable with. 12 up, 12 down. couple real questions before we get out of here. Favorite game to stack on the slate? My favorite, there's a couple I really like. I think a low-key one is that that Cincinnati game. It doesn't have the highest total on the board, but you're still talking about 65 and a half points, a team in Central Florida that runs a massive amount of plays. I hope Trey Nixon plays. I think that would give it more intrigue to stacking, but I think that's my favorite one overall. Best mid-range running back. So we're talking like five or six K. Yeah, and then mid-range, there's actually a lot of guys I think you can look to. My favorite is probably going to be Trey Sermon. You basically get the same volume as Master Teague, but he's nearly three, he's over 3K less, and you get access to a huge implied team total. So if you're just trying to get pieces of this Ohio State team, he's cheap. There's a few guys in this range, though. You know, let's see, Cameron Peoples is another guy for App State who should see an elevated workload. Damian Pierce has seen more work for Florida in recent weeks without pits. They're just going slightly more run heavy, huge team total for him. It's basically a lot of timeshare guys, and I think you want to isolate the ones with good team totals in this range. Last question, favorite bet of the day? Well, I have a couple I already took. I, you know, I want to say Coastal Carolina, but I'm not certain on the status of the App State QB, so I actually don't like, like that one quite as much. An underrated one I took, which I know particularly Gavin in the chat is going to give me some flack for I bet USC this Utah team hasn't played a game yet they've been battling COVID so they haven't really practiced they're replacing almost their entire defense their quarterback their running back most of the producers on that team are gone and USC is not getting a lot of love after they've struggled a little bit but I think they'll be able to go into Utah and win that game interesting two and a half point spread we will be talking a lot of bets in our premium slack chat Uh, I like Cincinnati I like Oregon State We're going to bounce on out of here. I do want to say real quick, tomorrow you will see both me and Matt breaking down the NFL, but I do want to say early, have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Be safe. Enjoy yourselves. A lot lot to get to, and we hope you guys are all doing good out there. But good luck today in college football. Hope to talk to you all soon. You can find us on Twitter, find us in Slack, and we'll see you next week. about to break it down Mm, yeah come to new york man oh i forgot i said that